I'm Paul John Spaulding, GM of production at Cybercrime Magazine. Welcome to the Cybercrime Magazine Update. I'm joined by Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief of Cybercrime Magazine. Steve, thank you so much for joining. Steve, I want to talk about research and reports. In 2022, we've published the 2022 official cybercrime report, the Boardroom Cybersecurity 2022 report, Who's Who in Ransomware report, and the 2022 Cybersecurity Almanac. Now, that's a lot of stuff that we published, and there's a lot of 2022s in there because that's stuff that's just happened recently in 2022. And I'm sure there's a lot more, but between those four that I just named, there are over 100 cybersecurity stats and just an incredible amount of research collectively in all those reports. And Steve, it's kind of funny because I'm thinking back to a video I was editing recently, and I had to ask you about a stat, and I wanted to know where did this come from and can I see it because we put it as B-roll in the videos, you know, just adds a little spice to the videos. And you showed me this report, and it was the 2022 official cybercrime report. And it was kind of funny because I took a step back for a second and I said, wait, I don't remember us publishing this report. Now, for those of you listening, I deal with the audio and video stuff. So, you know, I don't hear of every single article we publish or every single piece of research. But I hear about the major ones and the ones that we put into podcasts and videos. Steve, maybe for those listening, you could just break down, before we get into that report specifically, just the DNA of Cybersecurity Ventures. Why do we publish reports? What's in there? What do we do? Who's reading them? And who's paying attention on that front? So, Paul, the research that we publish, I would broadly classify as cyber economic data. So we're not getting into threat analytics and, you know, covering ransomware strains and some of the deep stuff that a lot of the vendors will. We're covering things like the damage costs resulting from cybercrime or subsectors like ransomware. We cover employment data, how many jobs are unfilled globally in the U.S., in other countries, data that is very useful. The media uses it to help put the industry in context. A lot of companies use it to help justify decisions around budgets. We publish information about global cybersecurity spending. So broadly, that's the type of data that we publish. Historically, we would publish this material on our website. It was free to the public, no registration required. Everybody loved it because typically if you want a white paper, if you want a report, you have to go and fill out a form. You might not want to do that. So for us, it's just been out there. I think as a result, we've wound up in so many different media outlets. You and I discussed this on a previous podcast because it is easy to get at the material. And then if it's good and it's credible, they'll publish it, they'll come back, they'll ask us questions. Many vendors over the years have asked us, can you produce a report or can we take one of your reports and gate it? Gate it meaning put it on our website, require registration. And our feeling was no, simply because it just wasn't what we did. It wasn't our model. There was nothing wrong with that request. Right. But this year for the first time, early in the year, we published a report around boardroom cybersecurity. And we had a sponsor, SecureWorks, great company, and their CMO, Tracy Mustachio, and I have known each other for many years. She's a great marketer. And we agreed that we would actually gate this report. So instead of us publishing it and just putting it out on our website, we made it available through SecureWorks. We published an executive summary with some top-level data. So if someone really wants to see some of just the data points, they can see that on our site. 
I think it was very successful. We got great feedback. We have a CISO advisory network and we bounce things off people. So after doing that, we decided we would publish other reports in that format. I want to emphasize here that this is pure editorial. So one thing that vendors may not like is you don't get to see it first. Right. You don't get to contribute to it unless we, you know, happen to use a quote in the context of right. what we're publishing. And that's very different from them. But we are a media outlet. So that's the way we do things. So after SecureWorks, we published another couple of reports. One was Who's Who and Ransomware. Yeah. And we were looking at the various ransomware gangs that have emerged over the past couple of years who are causing the most damage. There's hundreds of ransomware gangs, but really there's probably a couple of dozen that are causing about 80% of the damage. So we focused on those. It was a great report. We partnered with Conceal, a great company, Conceal.io, Gordon Lawson. We've known him for a while. He's the CEO. And, you know, a lot of it for us is who do we trust? Who have we worked with before? We're not going to do this for just anybody. So we published a report. It's available from Conceal. But again, we put out an executive summary. And then finally, we just recently published the report you referred to earlier, the official cybercrime report for 2022. Yeah. And that was in partnership with eCentire. So it's only available, the full report, at their site. You can go there. It's free. Download it. They're great people. You know, some of their staff was interviewed. And again, it was pure editorial, even though they had a chance to participate and share some thoughts about our research. And the top level summary data is on our website. So that's a big change for us in 2022. And we're going to continue down that path in 2023. I'm glad you brought that up, Steve, about how the research is still pure editorial. And I think that's an important distinction because you might see, oh, sponsored by eCentire or however it's phrased precisely on the website. But yeah, we do have the executive summary. So if you want to get like a sneak peek of what's in there or just pull some data out really quick, you can. But it's not like this data was, you know, guarded by them and they you know, said, no, you can't publish this. You can only publish this. It's this is the report. Do you want to be a part of this? Yes or no. And that's kind of what we went forth with. I want to jump in, Paul, and just comment on what you just said, because it's really, really, really important. We've been asked, I would estimate, well over 100 times by cybersecurity vendors to publish research for them. But they want to influence and control what that's going to look like. And they're accustomed to doing that with other companies uh, right. who, who do that sort of thing. And that's not to take anything away from them. And without reviewing any of their research, I can't say anything negative about it. But it's not pure editorial. It's not how we do things. So when you look at anything we produce, we definitely want to emphasize that it's pure editorial and clients do not get to review it ahead of time. Well, Steve, I just want to focus for just a second because the report, again, it was just kind of funny because I was working on a video. You're like, here's this report. I didn't even know about it. And that kind of started this whole discussion with us, you know, about how many reports do we have? And, you know, I, I checked the website and stuff and looked at all these things. And this is just for 2022. This is not going back to the past or things that we might have published that are outlooks from, say, 2021 looking forward or 2020 looking forward. But I do just want to talk about the official cybercrime report for a minute, sure. which, again, as you mentioned, is, is sponsored by eCentire. But Steve, on the cover, I see the stat, cybercrime to cost the world $8 trillion annually in 2023. I'm guessing that's on the cover for a reason. I was hoping you could just break that down for us. Why is that the cover stat? That seems like a really important takeaway, and I think maybe we should take a moment to talk about it. You know, I was a speaker at the Cyber Investing Summit in 2017. I opened the event up, and I remember at that time I was writing about cybersecurity for Forbes, and 
the single biggest question that I got from people, now these were analysts, these were bankers. So, you know, this was a business crowd and we had some CISOs there and they wanted to know what kind of, you know, damage is cybercrime really inflicting? I mean, at so many levels, it gets to their budget around spending, how many people they should be thinking about applying to it. And cybercrime was really, you know, starting to grow and there wasn't a whole lot of research being done. So I started to research, I started to write about it. And ultimately, you know, it led us to a point where we, you know, put out this series of reports in 2000 and when was it? I believe it was at the end of 2017. I'd have to double check. It might have actually been in 2016. We put out our very first report and we looked ahead at, you know, the cybercrime damage costs. And the feedback was huge. I mean, this, this was in demand. This is something that our audience really wanted to consume. And from there, we started to publish this report that you mentioned every year. In 2021, we estimated that cybercrime would cost the world $6 trillion. And just to put that in perspective, if cybercrime was a country, it would be the world's third largest economy behind the US and China. So right, that's just right. how big this is. And then looking ahead, we estimated that cybercrime was going to grow, the damages that is, mm -hmm. by 15% year over year. So we saw that tick up to seven trillion, and I'm just rounding off here in 2022, and now looking at 2023, eight trillion. Right. You push out to 2025, it would be about 10.5 trillion. It seems like something that you know a lot of our target audience is the C-suite, right? So people who are going into meetings. I was reading something recently where it was a CISO that was talking. I think it was Teresa Payton actually on the CISO Minute. She was reflecting on an article for the CISO Minute episode that she does about how, yeah, the CISO might only have 40 minutes, like X amount of time. It might be like per quarter or a couple times a year when they meet with everyone to talk about stats. So to have these kind of high level takeaways that are quick, if you can't dive in, or if you're not the person who is in charge of diving into this stuff, you can pull that away. And that's kind of a really good talking point with where's cybercrime, what's going on? Did it go up? Did it go down? You know, how is it for businesses globally? Paul, our whole world revolves around math. I mean, you know, let's talk about careers. I think we have a great company here and we have so much to offer, but mm -hmm. we've never interviewed anybody without telling them, you know, what the salary is. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. money is important. It drives a lot. And when you think about cybercrime and you think about cybersecurity, it's not just, you know, corporate America. It's not just these big companies, although that's a very important part of what we address. And it's not just law enforcement, but if a student is talking to his or her parent and talking to a teacher that they trust about cybersecurity. They're starting to read about it. Oh, wow, this looks interesting. Is this a career that I should think about pursuing? How do you answer that? How do you put that in perspective? Yes, you can explain that it's rewarding and you can explain that it's an opportunity to serve and protect, which it is, but you really need data to put that in context and explain, you know, just how serious this is, just how big this is. And our figures do that. In fact, I believe, Paul, we are on at least two, 300 college and university websites globally, and they are using our data to help put, you know, careers in context for, you know, incoming students. This is what cybercrime is costing. This is what the world is spending on cybersecurity in order to combat cybercrime. So the numbers are really, really important. It's almost a disappointment, right? Because it's like, okay, we need more cyber fighters because these numbers are going up. But that also means it might be really good for career opportunities because if the crime keeps going up, we'll have a job. But also we put more cyber fighters in there, then maybe that number can start plateauing or kind of pulling down a little bit over a long period of time. Absolutely. 
And, you know, the, the numbers are going to also generate controversy. You can't put out the type of research that we put out without people coming back. And we've had it on both sides. Some people have looked at our research and they say, hey, those figures are, you know, they're overinflated. You're hyping, you're sensationalizing, so on and so forth. No, we're not, you know, and we can vet them. And I've vetted those figures. But then we have other people who come back to us and say, we've been following you and cybercrime is growing a lot faster. The numbers should be much bigger. And funny enough, some of those people are the same people who are criticizing us back in 2017 when we put out our first report. Right, right. And that's okay. You know, I can stand there. We can stand there. We can answer questions. And more importantly, I think you're going to see the industry responding and you'll see our numbers are very credible. In fact, I remember Brian Moynihan, he's the CEO and chairman at the Bank of America talking, I believe it was in Davos, Switzerland at a major conference. This was maybe three or four years ago when we put out the second edition of this cybercrime report mm -hmm. with big figures. And he came forward and he just stunned the audience, stunned the media. And this kind of went viral. And he said, we have an unlimited cybersecurity budget. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. And he said, my entire career, I've never had an unlimited budget for anything ever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he had a lot of courage to come out and say it. And it was the truth. Because think about it. What big company, what company, period, isn't going to do everything and anything to combat cybercrime, to cope with a ransomware attack that you weren't expecting. Steve, those are really good points. And, you know, it might be something for people listening who they haven't read these reports or they haven't thought about the university angle or kind of the career opportunity angle, or maybe, hey, check out, you know, that CEO's talk uh, way back. And that is kind of old news in the sense that we've known about that for a while. We talk about that in the office sometimes, but it's a really important factor to, to drive home when we're talking about You know about what, this. Paul? Even law enforcement needs it. Interpol is the world's largest, you know, international. They're not a law enforcement agency themselves per se, but they, you know, knit the community together and they're very well respected. And they use our research. In fact, right now, they're using it, putting out, you know, the cybercrime figures that we've published to help the world understand just how serious this threat is. And they talk to law enforcement agencies across the world. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and uh, just diving into these reports with us. Yeah, thank you, Paul. To follow all of our media, go to cybercrimemagazine.com.